What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Mo Money, Mo Problems, Mo Money, Mo Bamba, less money, no Bamba. (laughs) That's pretty much the Lakers free agency in a nutshell. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And today we are jumping straight back into more free agency targets and talk. In this episode, I will be focusing in on 10 to 15 specific free agents that I want Tommy to give his thoughts on. A lot of them will fall under what I like to call out-of-the-box taxpayer Emily options. So why don't we get straight into it without further ado, right after you drop us a five-star Apple podcast rating and review or a simple five-star click on our Spotify page. Let's jump right into things. All right, so the draft is over. The Lakers got their dudes, Fino and Max. So far, there haven't been any trades. And now we quickly turn over to free agency. Okay, so let's get into some updated free agency talk. As a reminder, with the new CBA, the tax pyramid level is now just a flat $5 million. And if you use it, you will be hard capped at the second apron. The good news is, given the um, new estimates by the NBA, the first apron and the second apron rose. Previously, they were estimated to be 169 million at the first apron and 179 at the second apron, but now it's 172 and 182. So that gives the Lakers a little bit more wiggle room to work with. Doesn't that? Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, doesn't that all? Not to interrupt you, but doesn't that also impact the MLE? Because isn't the MLE just like a percentage? It oh, it does not. Okay. So the taxpayer MLE is a flat five million dollars for gotcha. whatever reason this year. Um, it does impact the non-taxpayer Emily, but I think it's not by a lot, actually. Okay. So if you use the taxpayer Emily at five million dollars, that will hard cap you at that will hard cap you at the second apron, which again is one eighty-two. Now the non-taxpayer Emily is still twelve point four million, and the BAE is four point five million. If you use either of these two, if you use both of these two, you will be hard capped at the first apron of one seventy-two. But again. These bumps, these small $3 million bumps may help the Lakers either retain their own guys or give them even more wiggle room to maybe use one of these exceptions. So, all right, Tommy, um, I have have a couple of free agent targets that I want to run by you. First, let's start with non-tax MLE guys, some updated thoughts on it. Last time I said I wanted Karis LeVert, but after mulling it over more and realizing that this dude is very valuable to the Cavs, 
I don't think it's realistic that he's just going to take the non-taxpayer MLE. I think mm-hmm. another team will give him 15 to 17 million or more realistically, the Cavs will just re-sign him on bird rights, you know? So Karis LeVert out of the way. What are your thoughts on Harrison Barnes? Because the Kings freed up a bunch of money, including getting off of Rashawn Holmes. Now they will cut into that money if they re-sign Harrison Barnes, but I'm assuming they may have... They're maybe trying to use that money on a big play. Maybe Kyle Kuzma. Okay, let's say Harrison Barnes is, Harrison Barnes is out on the market. What are your thoughts on Harrison Barnes, number one, for the non-taxpayer MLE? Number two, what are your thoughts on Gary Harris? Because Gary Harris has a non-guaranteed $13 million contract with the Orlando Magic that gets fully guaranteed on 630, and I feel like they're going to let him go because they have so many of that type of mold of player. So Harrison Barnes, number one, Gary Harris, number two, and then number three, I know this is a wild one, Tommy, but what are your thoughts on Kelly Oubre? So what are your thoughts on Harrison Barnes, Gary Harris, Kelly Oubre for the non-taxpayer Emily? So of those three guys, the one guy I think I would sort of have no hesitation to give it to is Harrison Barnes. I think I could be talked into the other ones, right? But Harrison Barnes is like a legit... I mean, what is he, like 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, he could play both forward spots. He's a career 38% shooter from three, right? It's, like, so funny because Harrison Barnes has been in the NBA at this point for, like, 12 years, like, 11 years or something. And I feel like all of my memories of him are, like, missing open threes in the finals with the Warriors that one year. Um, and he obviously missed that open three uh, that kind of cost the Kings the series against the Warriors last year. Um, yeah. But so, like, you know, look, putting all that stuff aside, he's averaged 14, 15-ish points a game for, like, the last five years. He's a very solid role player. He plays solid defense. He gives you some rebounding. He actually is, like, has had some seasons in the past where he's had decent playmaking. I mean, a couple years ago for Sacramento, he averaged, like, three and a half assists. So, you know, he is, to me, the exact type of missing piece. I mean, I think... The one caveat here, right, is like we are planning to keep Rui, allegedly. So if we bring in Harrison Barnes, I imagine that's going, you know, if we're paying for another wing, I imagine if we're going all the way up to the non-taxpayer MLE, we're kind of like hoping that person is going to be a starter. But like if you already have LeBron in in the mix there, obviously, you know, this assumes AD is at the five on top of that. But like... I Harrison Barnes should probably be starting over Rui and I don't know how they feel about mm-hmm. paying tw- you know 15 million dollars to like which is what Rui is going to cost to have a bench forward so Harrison Barnes I think would be the guy I think Kelly Oubre look I, he's fine I, I just I think it's more of a risk you just don't know what you're going to get um and so yeah and then Gary Harris is 6'5". I mean, I like yeah. the 3 and D yeah. aspect of him, and he shot like 40% from 3, but he's 6'5". Uh, Kelly Oubre I only put there because he gives you the size that you want, but not the player type, you know, because he's really just the chucking point bucket getter, you know? Like, it's almost like getting like a more, what's it called? Like a Jordan Clarkson version of Ken Bazemore, who we've already tried out, you know what I mean? He's like never been a really efficient three-point shooter, but... If you can get him to lock in on the defensive end, he has the length to do so at like six, eight, like seven foot wingspan. But given the Warriors tried that and it didn't necessarily work out, I don't know. I was just thinking about, you know, if they can mold him into that type of player. But again, maybe it's a risk. So having said that, let's go back to some other targets that we've talked about before. 
is it time, Tommy, to just give Jay Crowder the full non-taxpayer Emily, given the fact that, okay, we've said we like Bruce Brown, we like Brooke Lopez, we like Karis LeVert. If those guys don't take it, though, is it just time to get Jay Crowder for $12 million on a short-term deal? Yeah, uh, yeah I, think, I think it might be. <laughs> I, like, I'm yeah. not the biggest Jay Crowder fan. I, he's for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I, that is like kind of what we need to... I mean, I think for me, if we're using the non-taxpayer MLE, given, again, the fact that we use a first-round pick on a guard, I and we're gonna about to pay Austin, we're theoretically about to pay D'Angelo... I think I'm looking at big forwards, so somebody in the Jay Crowder, Harrison Barnes range, or a center. Um, I, like I'm, I'm using that money on size for sure. Yeah, I, I think at this point I would give it to Jay Crowder, given his experience, his spacing capabilities, and his just like tough, gritty tenacity on defense. So, lastly, in this non-taxpayer MLE section, are you ready to offer Matisse Thibel? the non-taxpayer Emily, give, knowing that he's a restricted free agent? And would you also do it for a guy like Jalen McDaniels? Previously, we had talked about Jalen McDaniels and Matisse Thibel for the old taxpayer Emily of $7.4 million. But given the fact that we know that the taxpayer Emily is $5 million and there's really no in-between from that and the non-taxpayer Emily of $12.4 million, would you then just Give the non-taxpayer Emily to a guy like Matisse Thibel if you can prime away from the Portland Trailblazers or a guy like Jalen McDaniels to just fill that in-between 3-4 spot. I would probably give it to Jalen McDaniels because I'm pretty high on his upside in addition to like his immediate impact, like especially you know what he can do, which I mean mostly with his length, right? But I don't know. I don't know about Thibel. I, I don't know that it's really going to be a question because like the Blazers are sort of limited in what they yeah. can do to, you know, build a roster around Damien and and like he's one of their guys. But I mean, these are like sort of the situations in recent years where Rob has sort of thrived. Like if we go into free agency knowing we have the $12 million, like knowing we're going to use the bigger MLE um, and he'll know probably at that point, right? Rob has sort of been good at like getting these guys who at the last minute when things fall through with their own team, he sort of swoops in and gets them like slightly below market for a year. Like he did it with none. Obviously that didn't pan out. He did it with Lonnie, which did pan out. Um, and so like, it wouldn't surprise me that much if he did it again. I, I think who we're going to target is Brooke Lopez, by the way, just throwing that out there, but no, I mean, if, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 But if that's not, if that's not available, then yeah. I would throw it at any of these wings at this point. The money amount doesn't matter because as we've seen, we pretty much turn over that Emily spot anyways. If you can get a young guy like Matisse and Jalen, that's great for more than two years. But as we've also seen, most of these guys only want at most two years with a player option the second year, right? So to me, it's not even, I don't care. Just give them the money at this point to plug in a hole, a much needed hole. Okay, so let's take it to break. When we return, Tommy, I'm going to give you some out-of-the-box taxpayer MLE targets, and I, I want to get your thoughts on them. So we will catch you guys after the turn. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey guys, quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you guys have enjoyed our off-season content this season, especially our NBA draft content, and you guys have gotten all the little nuggets and hot takes that you've needed, if you love all of our Moneyball margin options on the free agency market and stuff like that that we've thrown out in the past, if you just enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. Everybody has the Spotify app. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. But for those who have supported us and continually listened, shared, subscribed, given us reviews, given us five stars. For those who have given us money via Patreon, we truly appreciate you. If you haven't done any of these things yet, please consider doing so. It would mean a lot. And again, at this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, thank you for consuming our content and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. These are what I like to call Tommy out of the box, money margin, taxpayer Emily guys. I say out of the box because... At first glance, they wouldn't seem like guys you would want to give the taxpayer MLE to, and they may seem more like veteran minimum guys. But at this point, because there's no separation between pretty much the vet min for like veterans who are like in the league for nine years or so, I think their vet minimum is like $3 million. There's no separation between that anymore and the taxpayer MLE, which is $5 million. And then the BAE is $4.5 million. So given that... It, it's all kind of a blur from the vet man, BAE, taxpayer, MLE side of things. So given that, I'm going to throw out some prospects who you may argue are just vet minimum guys, but who at this point, I feel like if we're going bargain bin hunting with just $5 million, I would maybe take the risk and flyer on. But I wanted to see get your thoughts on them. First off, if we can't get a Brooke Lopez type, what are your thoughts on? Jackson Hayes, if the New Orleans Pelicans let him off. He's technically a restricted free agent, but I don't think he's in their future plans. So what are your thoughts on getting a young big like him who was a former lotto pick but just hasn't put it all together? I feel like this is in Rob Palinka's wheelhouse as well to get this type of player. He's a little bit wild, though, so I don't know if necessarily LeBron James would love it. But I mean, we've dealt with JaVale McGee before. What about a younger-ish version of him? Because he is explosive as hell and he would be fun. He would be fun. Um, I think if we get him, which I'm not opposed to, by the way, it would definitely like we would have to keep Bamba. So it would be like one of the many scenarios we we discussed where, you know, between Beasley and Bamba, we keep one of them. I think we still need a floor spacing big option, um, you know, because Jackson, Wait, you would keep Bamba and Jackson. I would keep both. I would because I you know, you mentioned like some of these guys are sort of floating on like they're potentially minimum type guys. I mean, look, maybe it costs 5 million to get Jackson Hayes, but 
to me, he's like, a min- I mean, like, you know, you can't necessarily count on this guy to be your primary backup big. I think you still need a floor spacing big option. And I don't think you're going to be able to find someone who could space the floor as well as Bamba for the veteran minimum. So $10 million and $5 million to two centers who are probably never going to play, you know, <coughs> I guess like $15 million for backup centers when you're spending $40 million on your entire backcourt collectively to me is not that bad. And it gives you some ability to get both looks. You get the athleticism with Jackson Hayes and you get the floor spacing and just sheer length um, with Mobamba. So I, I just, yeah, I think it's like we need the size as we saw in the Denver series. But what I get worried about is again, is going too far the opposite direction and just getting, you know, a big body um, and then neglecting the fact that like we got Bomba for a reason, right? That wasn't just like a Pat Bev salary dump. Like we wanted the prospect and we knew that we had this decision. And I guess, you know, we'll see what they end up doing because I think they have to decide before free agency what they're going to do with Bomba. But, um, you know, I, I think if we're looking at someone like Jackson Hayes, who in four years, although he was a lottery pick, hasn't shown that he can really do a whole lot consistently, we have to keep someone else as an option, in my opinion. Okay, so we're going to know that decision pretty soon, in like a day, or, a day or so. And let's say by the time I release this episode, Mo Bamba is out of the picture. Would you for sure then take a Jackson Hayes just to plug in the center spot at that point? I would at that point look at other options, to be honest with you, especially. Oh, really? Yeah, especially at five million. But maybe I'm just way lower on Jackson Hayes. So I think we can't like beggars can't be choosers in terms of bigs. And you're not going to find a more athletic guy at that size uh, for that amount of money. And if Bamba's already gone, even if Bamba is still on the team, if we need a spacing big option, Tommy, I would just rather go smaller. Anyways, I, I, I just need that one big who can rough it up down low, get some blocks, and just take the punishing that AD doesn't want to take for 15 minutes. And so I almost feel like it's useless to have both Bomba and Jackson. And by the way, Jackson Hayes, last year, not this season, shot 35% from three, hitting 0.3 a game. So he is a growing three-point shooter. I say that tongue-in-cheek. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't do the Bomba-Jackson Hayes thing if Bomba was let go. If by the time you're listening to this, Bomba's not here, I would definitely take a chance on Jackson Hayes because there's upside there. And we've already seen AD work with this type of prototype big in JaVale McGee who gets an honorary 15 minutes a game. If you need spacing on the floor, you just swap him out for the smaller dude who can space. So what are your thoughts on a guy like Shake Milton. So this is a guard, and we have a lot of guards already, but maybe this is an opportunity to get that, you know, scoring burst type of guy again, like a Lonnie Walker type, but one who can maybe shoot a little better, but also play make a little. The Philadelphia 76ers have a lot of decisions to make, including with James Harden's contract. But in terms of the types of guys that um, Rob Palinka tends to go after too, in terms of being mid-20s guys who have shown some offensive upside I feel like Shake Milton sort of fits that category 6-5 he averaged 8 points 3.2 assists 47% from the field 38% from 3 85% from the stripe if we're still waiting on JHS to develop then we just need that scoring guard punch off the bench especially if Dennis Schroeder isn't retained what are your thoughts on like an upside young play like Shake Milton, because to me, he reminds me of the Lonnie Walker taxpayer, Emily, the Kendrick Nunn taxpayer, Emily. Um, But yeah, what are your thoughts on that direction? 
I really like Shake Milton. If we can get him for this price, you know, I talked about how I have this fantasy of my five guard rotation that's sub forty million. I'll mention that a lot. <laughs> I think about it from t- I think about it daily. <laughs> but if we can get that, like, sort of, you know, that sort of structure, which I think we can, even with spending five million on another guard, I, you know, Shake Milton. You mentioned the scoring. You mentioned the shooting. I can't remember if you mentioned this just now, but three assists for a combo guard yep. and only one turnover. Like that's, that's pretty good. And like, he's an efficient scorer. He can hit free throws. Um, you know, he gets to the line at least like once a game on average for a bench player, mm-hmm. not, you know, not too bad. Um, he's used to playing in a bench role. He's done that for most of his career so far with Philly. I, I, yes. It, it, I don't know if, if Harden ends up leaving Philly, I imagine Philly is going to try to keep Shake Milton. But you're right. If Harden, if Harden ends up staying, then who knows? They're going to be in a really weird situation and somebody might sh- like Shake Milton may, may slip. And that, like you said, this is exactly the situation where Rob tends to like sn- swipe in and, and get a guy. And I think Shake Milton would be like the perfect type of like fifth guard to throw into the mix when you already have Austin, you already have D'Lo, you know, we mentioned Christy Hutchifino, and now you throw Shake Milton, like another another guard with some size who can do things offensively and most importantly can shoot. Um, it it just would be a win on every level, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. He's like the Malik Monk play, right? Exactly. And you know that if someone goes down, he can step up and assume that usage. You know, his best games this year include twenty nine points, seven assists, five rebounds, ten of thirteen from the field. Hitting three of six from three? Insane. Six of six from the line. 27 points, six rebounds, two assists. 10 of 15 from the field. Three of five from three. 24 points, 10 assists, nine rebounds, four of seven from three. Now I'm starting to think Sixers will just keep him because yeah, why could good. you let he's a guy good, like dude. this go? I mean, uh, but yeah, you never know. You never know. Sometimes these guys slip through the cracks. So In five um, years with Philly, you know, on your usage point, he's only had one season where he averaged above eight seven shots a game or seven and a half shots a game. He averaged 10 and a half shots a game a couple years ago. And that was his bet. He scored 13 points, 45% shooting 35% from three hit 83% from the line and had three assists. So the, he is not like a risk where if the usage goes up, maybe he becomes less effective. I think he is a product of his circumstance. Like he hasn't had the usage in Philly. And I think he could actually look a lot better with a little more usage. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So moving on to my next target, what are your thoughts about Terrence Davis from the Kings? Kind of a similar player as well. I think he had one moment in the Golden State Warriors series in the playoffs, kind of like a firecracker off the bench, kind of a bully ball frame. We've talked about him before in a previous podcast we were anal- where we were analyzing who could be the next Utah Watanabe, Isaiah Hardenstein type guy who like slips through the cracks. Only 26 years old, good three-point shooter, good shooter. Somewhat in the same vein as a Shake Milton, just not as consistent and can be kind of volatile, like offensively. But would he be more on your lower rung of things if you're looking for a scoring guard? He'd be more on my lower rung of things. I think, you know, he's 6'4", so the size, he's a little smaller than Shake Milton. But also, it's just like NBA reps, right? Like, he's only really had, like his first couple seasons and I guess last year with the Kings, he was sort of in the rotation sort of consistently. Um, 
I do like him and he can shoot a bit. And like you mentioned, the bully ball, he plays with toughness. He did get minutes in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which is encouraging. So clearly like Mike Brown thinks something of him. Um, but, you know, in terms of I would need to know more about his defense in terms of like the other guys we've talked about. He's definitely lower on my list. Yeah, that's fair. I think for me as well. What are your thoughts about Keita Bates Diop, KBD from San Antonio? They have, they're starting to get a big glut at the forward spot and the center spot, obviously, with Victor Wimbanyama. Uh, Zach Collins is going to be their starter. They still have Keldon Johnson. Now, Keita Bates Diop, everybody will remember him for like the 30 point game where he didn't miss a shot against the Lakers or yeah, only missed we'll one shot. Probably sign him because of that. But. But last year, he really showed out towards the end of the season. And, you know, I put showed out in quotes because the San Antonio Spurs were a tanking team all season. So it was a looter in a riot sort of situation. But, I mean, he was really good in terms of being a versatile four who could also pass. The playmaking is actually what stands out to me because post-All-Star break, when he kind of got inserted into the starting lineup, Keita Bates-Diop averaged 13 points, 4 rebounds, 2.4 assists, on 53% from the field, 43% from three, 80% from the free throw line. Now, I know there's a redundancy issue with regards to Rui's there, Vando's there, but KBD also played a little bit of center, but he is in that tweener center role, so the fit makes you feel a little bit weird, but in terms of getting a talent, another versatile forward, and maybe you don't even have to spend the taxpayer, Emily, but let's just say you do in order to pry him away from San Antonio, who's drafted him and had his rights for this long. What are your thoughts on taking a swing at KBD? Because to me, especially with his length and his prototype, you could get in on the early level, the ground level of a Nas Reed type player without anybody noticing. But maybe that's just me being too hipstery and moneybally. But he he showed some things with the Spurs last year. So the wingspan, I mean, like you know, he he's got decent size at six eight. He could, I shouldn't say decent. That's good size. He could play either forward spot theoretically. It, it looks like last season he played more of the four with the Spurs, and he can do that because he's got that seven three wingspan. He has okay. Last year was the first time in his career, he's been in the league for like five years or so, that he hit a decent percentage from three, and it was on low volume. Um. You know, and you mentioned the tanking team aspect, right? So again, I kind of, I don't know about the Nas Reed, you know, sort of diamond in the rough comp, but like, I don't know that like, this is the type of player you need to necessarily spend your MLE on. Um, I think he could be had there, this cal, maybe not him specifically, but like this caliber of player, which, you know, when I'm thinking about the caliber of player, I'm also thinking about the risk of, you know, whoever, like any player changing teams, you just don't know, right? If it's, if the skills are going to translate or be enhanced or, you know, whatever. Um, when you're factoring in the, you know, this guy's been in the league for five years and has not consistently, you know, until last season, wasn't really ever consistently part of a rotation. Um, it, it, to me, feels a little bit risky to throw an MLE at somebody like this, um, especially because we're paying you know, 40 million to LeBron, 15 million million to Rui. And I think KBD's best spot would be like the four, which both of those guys kind of play. Yeah, I like the intrigue. And if we were not a win now team and we were like kind of in flux, I would totally take, take a chance at KBD. But there are concerns with like, yeah, we don't know who he is on a winning level, right? In like crucial game time situations. So I understand it from that aspect. Um, what are your thoughts on... So this is on the other end of the spectrum, but also a tweener four guy. But this is a former lotto pick. 
What do you think about Dario Saric? This is this is a weird one. Yeah. I agree. But in terms of a connector piece at the forward spot who can pass, shoot, at this stage, he's very much like a tertiary player at this point. But before the Phoenix Suns shipped him off to the OKC Thunder, he was a kind of a pretty important role player for them. Well, maybe because their depth sucked like crap. But if you remember Dario Saric before his injury, like he was that do-it-all sort of forward who also played a little bit of defense. You're not looking at him for any sort of explosiveness or agility or mobility, but he's a guy who can rebound, obviously pass. He shot 39% on low volume from three last year. Could kind of always hit the three on low volume, but yeah, what are your thoughts on getting this sort of like, uh, here's Austin Reeves at the four spot, kind of? Um, so Dario Saric... I think when, and I would have to look back at that, which I'm not going to do, but, but we, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the 2019, 20 season, like when we were in making our championship run, like going into the deadline, he was a guy that we talked about as like, you know, the Suns at that point were heading nowhere. And we thought like, maybe he could become available. He ended up not becoming available, right? They just kept him. I think the issue is what happened post that season. So like he tore his ACL in 2021 and to me, he's just never really been the same. I mean, after missing the 21-22 season, he came back and he has never played more than 13 minutes or 14 minutes a game on average. Last season, he appeared in 20 games. The season, um, or excuse me, last season, he appeared in 50 games. Um, but, you know, he he was mostly a bench player. He wasn't playing big minutes. He wasn't really doing, you know, he wasn't really scoring as much. I mean, it's hard to say how much of this is usage, but he's 28 years old. I don't, he's never really been known as like a fantastic defender. He sort of fits a role in the sense that like he is more of a true power forward. You know, we've been talking about how like LeBron and Rui are going to be power forwards for us next year, but Dario Sarge is really more of a four or five, sort of like more of what we tried to do with uh, Markeith Morris during our run. So, yeah, you know, because of that profile, if he would take a minimum contract, I would take him. But when you're talking about oh, the MLE, yeah. like, you know, like you kind of need a sure thing, like rotation caliber player. And I just don't know that like, you know, Dario Sarge arguably at this stage of his career is more of a center. And I don't know that we can like really count on him as like the backup center on like this team. Yeah, that's fair. But I actually just pulled up his game log from last year. And during the moments where he had to step in or even start for the Phoenix Suns, here are his best games. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists in a start versus Golden State, which they won. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block, 3 of 4 from 3. 17 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 of 5 from 3 in 21 minutes in a win. Um... I don't know, some of these lines, I'm like, wait, is it just a matter of like him just literally playing a tertiary role and he plays it to perfection, but when he has to step up, he can do this type of stuff, like kind of hearkening back to who he used to be? I'm sure he's not as dynamic as he used to be, obviously, but, and he started playing Eurobasket, you know, this past season after his ACL injury. So I don't know, a part of me is very intrigued by it. And I, I can see the way that Darvin Ham would maybe use Dario Saric as a small ball center in the likes of like a Boris Diaw, you know, where even if your legs are shot, he can be that connector piece on offense and just play make and all this stuff and space the floor a little bit. So I'm a little bit intrigued by Dario Saric. I'll say that for the minimum, for sure. 
Taxpayer Emily, I'm not sure, but I feel like everyone would buy in because at this point, he's like a veteran who used to have lottery upside. So, um, okay, to close this episode, there's Dario Saric. I guess my last one would be... Yeah, I think that's my last with regards to out-of-the-box taxpayer Emily. I think Josh Akogi is probably going to be retained by the Suns. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, because they don't really have many options yet. Yeah, I would like Josh Akogi if he's a clutch client, but I think he's going to be retained by the Suns. Derek Jones just opted out of his player option. We've been we've talked about him a couple of times over the last free agency circuits, but would you give Derek Jones the taxpayer Emily? He's never been able to shoot, but he's fun and explosive. Uh, probably not. Okay, I agree with you. If he could shoot, that will be another issue, although he is still very fun and uh, athletic. Um, okay, to close this out, I have some minimum prospects that I want to throw out your way. There's just a few. And my number one guy for the minimum, Tommy, we've talked about Yuta Watanabe for the taxpayer Emily in, a, in the last episode, so check that out if you want to like check out some of our other taxpayer Emily minimum targets. Um, I've talked about guys like Drew Eubanks, V. Mikhailu, Dennis Smith Jr. Those are some of my top guys. But I think my number one out of all of the candidates who can get the vet minimum, Tommy, would be O'Shea Brissett. So what are your thoughts about O'Shea Brissett? We have talked to him, we have talked about him ad nauseum, but I really want to hone in on him because the Indiana Pacers have 14 guaranteed slots on their roster right now, given the influx of draft talent they just they just got. And O'Shea Brissett, I think, is just going to be let go because of the roster squeeze. And so if you can get O'Shea Brissett for the minimum, I feel like that would be a steal because he is that sort of like small forward tweener four in between that has shown the ability to shoot threes. Some of his best games this year, 18 points, four of seven from three, 16 points, eight rebounds, three of six from three, 17 and 10. 16 points, five rebounds, four of six from three. He shot a lot better last season because his rule was his uh, role was more reduced this year. But I still believe in the length, the athleticism, um, and the shooting capabilities that O'Shea Brissett presents. And if he can be our new sort of Troy Brown Jr. who can space the floor better, I would love that for the vet men. What about you? Yeah, for the vet men, I mean, this is a guy that we were hoping to get in like a potential Pacers trade. So for the vet men, it feels like a no-brainer. He's got good size and strength. And he can hit a shot. Um, definitely worth it for a flyer at that price. Yes, please get O'Shea Brissett finally. Okay, with regards to bargain bin big man, do you have any thoughts on Willie Hernan Gomez and Goga Batadze? Goga Batadze, I think, is with the Orlando Magic, but he also might be pinched out. And then Willie Hernan Gomez is on an expiring with the New Orleans Pelicans. But in terms of getting like a garbage man type who will just rebound, toss some bodies around, and soak up some physicality fouls for 15 minutes off the bench as our new Damian Jones. What are your thoughts on Willie Hernan Gomez and Goga? Um, I don't know a ton about either of them. I just like the thing, you know, we're already going to go into the season, you know, even if we bring most of our guys, especially if we bring most of our guys back with a relatively young roster. And so we sort of saw this problem last year, right? But it's like when you have like everyone on your team that's 24 years old, it's like as problematic almost as having everyone on your team be 35 years old, which we did the prior year. So we do need, I think, more of a balance. And Goga and, you know, Hernan Gomez, like, I don't know. I 
to me, they haven't shown enough consistently in like meaningful NBA games. Um, depending on how the rest of the roster shakes out, maybe for the minimum you take a look, but they're not high on my list. Yeah, so that's fair. I mean, Goga is, I still, I think he's like 23 years old or something. Willie's actually a, a veteran. He's like 29 years old, been around the league, obviously was in Hustle, LeBron James production company, whatever. So there are some ties there. But for me, I've always been drawn to Willie just because he's like a tough rebounding center and in a pinch, he can fill in that role. His best games this season, 22, 16, and four assists in only 28 minutes, 14 and seven, 14 and 11. He's just a guy who on a permanent basis just cleans up on the glass and can dish out some punishment physicality-wise. So in terms of just having a break glass in case of emergency center at the end of your bench, I wouldn't mind Willie Hernan Gomez. Goga is more of a raw prospect and too young that I also wouldn't take a chance on. Now, Tommy, I saved the best for last, maybe controversial, but if the Lakers are looking for a guard for the vet minimum, what are your thoughts on bringing back Kendrick Nunn? Um, it would be hilarious. Uh, I would be okay with it. I mean, for the vet minimum, none better. Yeah, I mean, for the vet minimum, like you get a six three guard who, I don't know. He looked okay with the Wizards after we traded him. He just unfortunately never got a shot here. I, I would, I would be okay giving him a look. He's tough. He plays hard. Like he's obviously has shown in stretches he can compete at the NBA level. I mean, our guys would know better than anyone, right? It's like we kind of had to use him to do our trades that we did going into the deadline. But and obviously swapping him for Rui was like a no brainer. But you know, if he's open to coming back, I mean, I don't. Know. He's he's a good. He's a solid player for the minimum. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, honestly, I kind of liked his play better than Dennis Schroeder, even though Dennis Schroeder was very important to us and uh, Dennis Schroeder showed out defensively in the playoffs, yada, yada. But in terms of what aesthetically pleases me, what aesthetically pleases my eye, it's more Kendrick Nunn's style of play and ball handling in the pick and roll, like a mini D'Angelo Russell out there with some bursts of athleticism. But yeah, for the veteran minimum, Kendrick Nunn, you have to, you have a redemption story of your own to finish with the Lakers because it was not a good tenure. So maybe he has that same sort of mindset as Dennis Schroeder in terms of, I got some business to finish, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, that'll do it for our random segment on, you know, other free agency targets that we're looking at. Deadlines for Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley are fast approaching in the next day or so. If they've not already been picked up or traded, we shall see. The next time we will talk to you guys will be. First day of free agency, probably, when the Lakers have a whole slew of new players and hopefully the right guys are back. Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, and then we'll see who else survives from there. But regardless, it should be a fun and exciting offseason in free agency. The Lakers continue to have a lot of different angles, scenarios, and options that they can go with. It'll be interesting to see which fork in the road that they take, but... Yeah, we will be here through it all, I guess. So with that said, Tommy, I will catch you later. And let's go, Robbie P. Do your job. Let's go. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co.